Hi, I'm Alex Gilmore, and although I technically don't have a job on the Blackburn Gaslight Adventures, I am the head of production for GypsyAudio.org, and I'm also the one recording these intros. The Blackburn Gaslight Adventures is a serialised steampunk romp through the American Civil War, starring James Leeper and Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Sebastian and Elizabeth Blackburn, a pair of scientists who seem to find trouble wherever they go. So here is part one of our serial Family Matters, written and post-produced by A.J. Clarkson. The following audio drama is rated PG for pretty good. You should experience lots of explosions with no body parts and a couple of swears. Parents should be ready to cover their ears. Tell me, dear, why did we agree to let my brother and his wife into our home? We agreed because we spent the last year travelling and they were doing us a good turn by minding my property while we were gone. And because he's your family and because you are a good woman who wouldn't let her brother remain homeless when the war turned your family out into the hedgegroves. Is it too late to change our minds? <laughs> yes, yes, it's definitely too late, I'm afraid. You are so not supposed to find this funny, Sebastian. You are supposed to take my side. No, oh no. Under no circumstances am I getting between you and your sister-in-law. You're on your own, my dear. Men have all the luck. Papa hides out in the library, writing his new textbook. Everett is always off doing some business or another, ostensibly for you, but I think he's hiding out. You're out here all day in your workshop, working on your new projects. You try and tell me you're not hiding out out here, Sebastian. That leaves me with Maria, alone, all day long. And it ain't fair. I don't understand why you're complaining. I thought you'd be happy to have some female companionship. After half a year of me and my colleagues. I prefer Dr. Barton in Washington, D.C. I'd even brave the mystery man's consortium and his mechanical mind control devices. Don't say that, Lizzie. Don't even jest about it. I'm sorry, but you don't know what I have to endure every day. A hundred snide little remarks from that, that woman. I have no feminine accomplishments. I speak my opinion too freely. I take too much interest in men's pursuits. Do you know what she said to me not ten minutes ago? If you just start a family, your husband would soon lose interest in gadding about. Really? It's not like I'm not having children on purpose. And now we come to the point. Come here. You should stop worrying about it. You're young and you're healthy. Children will come in their own time. But what if they don't? Then we won't have any. Yes, I'd love to fill this house with children. Five or six of them, perhaps. But if we spend the rest of our days with only the two of us, I'll still count myself as a lucky man. Listen, if worse comes to worse, and you still want a baby, we can take in a foundling. But it's still early days yet. We have plenty of time to make one of our own. I know. What are you working on out here that hides you so well from my family? I'm not hiding. I'm just working on a flying machine. Well, a prototype at least. Really? Oh, that looks like a little bird. That's wonderful. It's flapping its wings. That's because I copied the movements of the birds when I designed it. Or rather, I thought I had. The movement of the wings is exact, but it's still not achieving flight. I'm missing something, I'm sure. 
Maybe wings are doing something that you're just not seeing, Sebastian. Beyond merely flapping, I mean. The feathers? What? Opening, closing? Just to change the direction of it. Well, I don't know. But it's something to examine, at least. There you are, Lizzie. You left the parlor so abruptly, I thought perhaps I'd said something to offend you. Lizzie. I'll be nice. Of course not, Maria. I only just... I... I remembered that I promised Sebastian I would take a drive after lunch. Ooh, a drive. What a lovely idea. I was hoping to stop by the dry goods store. They have some lovely blue broadcloth I was wanting to buy. Don't leave without me. Lizzie, I'll fetch your bonnet and shawl while I get my own. Wonderful. It's too late to get out of it now. I'll get my coat. Gypsy Audio presents Episode 10 of the Blackburn Gaslight Adventures, Family Matters, written and directed by A.J. Clarkson. New York is so cold and colorless, and Corning is such a backwater. However did you find it, Lizzie? It's so far from Virginia. And the wool. And it's full of lumbermen. Smelly, noisy, uncouth men. It's not safe for a lady to walk the streets. Then why didn't you stay home? Papa doesn't mind it, Maria, and ever Oh, he seems to love it here. Well, I don't know about that. All I know is I miss the company of proper ladies and gentlemen who know their manners. What about your husband, my brother, or Sebastian? Hmm? I think I see somebody I know. Excuse me, ladies. Oh, Sebastian, you're such a coward. Discretion is the better part of valor, my dear. See what I mean? He abandoned us on the street. He's ten paces away, Maria. We've hardly been abandoned. Why did you marry an Englishman anyway, Lizzie? Virginia boys aren't good enough. It'd be a different matter if he had a title or lived in a castle or something. But Everett tells me that Sebastian's father was a weaver. And your father was a moonshiner. But I didn't hold that against you when my brother married you. I married him because he makes me happy. And why does he wear that false hand? It's unnatural. I can hear it clacking when he moves it. You must be joking, woman. He lost his hand. His appendage allows him to function normally. And since he invented the appendage, it pays for the house you live in and the food you eat. <laughs> well, you don't have to get snippy, Lizzie. I can't help how I feel. That thing gives me nightmares. It reminds me of the chimney rock monster. <laughs> the what? The chimney rock monster. Don't you ever look up from those chemistry books and take notice of the world around you? Everybody's been talking about it all winter. A half-machine, half-human monster lurking east of town. Three people have disappeared already, taken by the monster. Able-bodied men, snatched off the streets, never to be seen again. That sounds just a little far-fetched. Not so very far-fetched, my dear. I doubt it's a monster. But I do know that three men have gone missing from the forests east of town. How do you know? Because I was just told they found one of the missing men on our property. He's dead. Oh, dear God. Maria, I'm afraid we have to cut short our trip. I'm going to drive you back home. Lizzie, I've been asked to look at the body. Do you want to go home with your sister? Lizzie, you can't seriously be contemplating going to see it. Oh, I can't say it. It's a corpse, Maria. It's called a corpse. You know, a dead man. Thank you, Sebastian, but no. I'm coming with you. Oh, my God, Lizzie. A lady doesn't do that sort of thing. What will your brother say? What will your father say? And if I know them, they'll be envious that they weren't able to come with us. Sebastian, shall we? Let me help you down, sweetheart. 
seen anything like it. Nor have I. Not outside of a surgical theater. Everett, why are you here? Lizzie? I could ask the same of you. You should go home before. Oh, Everett, I have seen corpses before. Lockwood? Oh, I'm sorry. Constable Franklin, Dr. Benton. This is my sister Elizabeth and her husband, Mr. Sebastian Blackburn. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? I received word that you needed me here. Yes, Sebastian. They sent for me first. Since I've been managing your property while you've been away, I sent for you. Of course. How can I help? Here. Come see. Mrs. Blackburn, are you... I'll be fine. Please lead on. Dear God. Looks like a botched autopsy. Oh, his eyes. They're gone. Lizzie? Whoa, steady there. Are you certain you can handle this? I'm all right. Thank you, Everett. What was it, Doctor? An animal attack? Not unless the animal has learned how to use a scalpel. The opening in the abdominal wall was done with a knife. His liver and pancreas have been surgically removed, as were his eyes, as you can see. His name is, um, was, Paul Edgecombe. He worked at the lumber mill. Have you seen him on your property before? Do you know him at all? No, but my wife and I have been away all winter. I've not seen him either. <sighs> He's went missing about a week ago. No family in the area, but his friends say he was a hard drinker. We assumed he'd gotten drunk and fallen in the river. It, it happens from time to time. Considering the other disappearances, Mr. Edgecombe's merely getting drunk seems rather far-fetched, don't you think? Yes, about that. We've had three men disappear from over the area over the last six weeks. No sign of a struggle, and nobody has reappeared. And, and till now, at least. Do you have any suspects? Well, to be frank, many people in the town think it might be you. Me? You're joking. I'm not. You're a bit of a mystery around here yourself. You have plenty of money, enough to buy a large property, but you're almost never seen. We travel. It's part of his work. I understand that, but these people here, they don't. All they see is a foreigner, an outsider with a rebel wife and family. You keep to yourself, you have that big workshop and tinker with your machines all the time, and... Begging your pardon, but you, uh, have that false hand. People around here are put off by it. Think it's, uh, not natural. They say the chimney rock monster has false arms that make him supernaturally strong and impossible to kill. The chimney rock monster? Ghost stories. And one of my clockwork appendages can't- Don't be offended, please, Mr. Blackburn. I have to ask these questions. It's hard not to be offended when your own community thinks you're a monster. Until two weeks ago, though, we were in Washington, D.C. Sebastian couldn't have had anything to do with the disappearances. Okay, question one. Do you have anybody who can corroborate that you were in Washington? Mr. Edwin M. Stanton. Stanton? The Secretary of War? Really? Ah, oh, well, that does cast a different light on matters. I hope you won't be offended if I say I kind of hoped you were the guilty party. Not meaning to say I agree with the local talk, mind you, but it, it would have made my job simpler. A lot simpler. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Sebastian, now that we have established my husband's alibi, what is it you need from us? Permission to come onto your property. I'd like to have some men search the area. Maybe Edgecombe was killed nearby. Maybe the other missing men are still nearby. We have to try. Yes, yes, go ahead. Now, gentlemen, if you'll excuse me, 
I'd like to take my wife home. Of course. Good day, Mrs. Blackburn. I can't believe you suggest such a thing. Ignorant backward... You're only doing his job, Sebastian. Damn it. But this is my life's work, Lizzie. To have it slandered by idle gossip from ignorant farmers. People who have no understanding of what advance is. It galls, Lizzie. It galls. And I thought you were angry about being accused of murder. No, not really. His argument makes sense. It galled, too. But it still had a simple logic, too. Mr. Blackburn! Mr. Blackburn, wait a moment! Dr. Benton. Beg your pardon, Mr. Blackburn. I wondered if I could have a few moments of your time. Now really isn't a good time, sir. I only wanted to ask you some questions about your work. Look, a clockwork limb does not make one a monster. Maybe your killer was wearing one of my appendages. But that has no bearing on his actions. I... I beg your pardon, sir. I should have chosen a better time to speak to you. I'll leave you to your business. Oh, Sebastian. <sighs> my apologies, Doctor. It has been a trying afternoon, as I'm sure you can imagine. What can I do for you? As I said, I have questions, as a medical man only. It has nothing to do with the murder investigation. I am fascinated by your clockwork limbs, but have never had an occasion to examine one, or, indeed, to talk to the man who created them. Doctor, we are going back to the house for lunch. Would you care to come along? My husband doesn't often get to talk about his work with a medical man. If Mr. Blackburn is amenable, then yes, I would. Thank you. Of course, Doctor. Please, join us. Mrs. Blackburn, I thank you for lunch. It was wonderful. Well, I must give credit where it is due to my sister-in-law, Maria. She has been acting as housekeeper while Sebastian and I have been traveling. Yes, Mrs. Lockwood. Lovely, charming woman. Though I wonder why she left the table so abruptly. I hope we didn't say anything to offend. She's a delicate woman. Perhaps the talk of amputation techniques was more than she could... Well, what she could tolerate. <laughs> no doubt. But she'll recover soon. Too soon. Lizzie? Now, you were saying, Doctor. Yes, seeing that body today... Forgive me, madam, I don't mean to distress... Made me think of something. You've created a mechanical leg, a mechanical hand. Is it possible to create a mechanical eye? No, just building one isn't that difficult. But it would only be cosmetic. There is no way to make it communicate with the brain. No other replacement sensory organs can be replaced by mechanical means. For the same reason, I researched the matter after being approached by Mr. Edwin Gallaudet, an educator regarding a mechanical hearing device for his deaf students. I suspected that would be the answer. How very disappointing. You have a specific patient in mind? What? No, 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 no. Of course not. Of course not. Let me ask you another. Have you been able to compensate for the tendency of the connection pins to tear out of the muscle where they adjoin the clockwork? Or the bone stump breaking under stress? What? No. You've seen that happen. Yes, several times. It's exceedingly painful. It's been done on living subjects? That's reprehensible. Sebastian, I don't understand. Whoever Dr. Benton is referring to is attempting to change the gearing in the limb to make it stronger than the human capabilities. The body can't tolerate the stresses involved. The appendage connections will tear out or the bone breaks when the torque becomes too much. I confess, I did some similar experiments. 
at the suggestion of the War Department, but only on the corpses. Oh, how terrible! Who is doing these modifications, Doctor? Um, I don't know. I've only seen the results in patients, usually the lumbermen. Their job demands great strength, so sometimes they insist on trying to increase the strength of the prosthesis. Tell me, is there any way to compensate for it? The best answer is to remove the modified limb and replace it. Look, if your patient can't pay you for the replacement, contact me. I'll pay for the procedure and provide the replacement limb. You are too generous, sir. But tell me first, can it be compensated for? Theoretically, yes, though it, it does more harm than good. The connection pins can be replaced with a flexible wire mesh. The bone can be replaced entirely with a metal tine. There are modifications of the appendage that can be done, but all of them are painful and risky, and the results are unpredictable at best. Better to recommend your patient to have his appendages replaced. Of course. I'll do that very thing. Oh dear, look at the time. I have an appointment that I'm already late for. Would you excuse me? Uh... Of course, sir. Um, let me show you the door. Oh, no, ma'am. I could find my own way. Thank you so much for an excellent meal, Mrs. Blackburn. And you, sir, for an edifying conversation. You've been very patient with my questions. It was nothing. Good day, sir. Good day. Well, that was an abrupt exit. And a bizarre conversation. I can't believe somebody is doing such experiments with my appendages. If he has seen such a thing, I can't credit that he didn't immediately remove it. Now don't laugh at me, Sebastian, but as soon as the conversation turned toward a modified appendage, I immediately thought of the gossip of the Chimney Rock monster. I won't laugh. I thought the same thing. I can't see Dr. Benton being involved knowingly, but perhaps if we were able to trace this mysterious patient, he might find answers. You know, perhaps we should mention it to Constable Franklin. Hmm. Perhaps we should at that. I don't know. A few odd questions and what you call unusual behavior isn't really enough to convict a man. You suspected me on the strength of my accent and a prospectic hand. There was a bit more to it than that. And as I said before, you've been cleared. But you're asking me to question a pillar of the community, a highly respected doctor who's been here much longer than you and your wife have been. Of course we're not. We'd never suggest that Dr. Barton is involved. Unless he is. But he talked about one of his patients, somebody who may have had the sorts of modifications that this, uh, chimney rock creature is said to have. <laughs> A chimney rock monster? I don't believe in ghost stories. Nor do we, but... Don't be obtuse. Just ask the doctor about the patient. I beg your pardon? That sort of high-handed behavior may be acceptable behavior in England, but we fought a war with you folks not so long ago, so we didn't have to- And look how well that's going for you. Not ninety years gone, and you're already falling apart. Stop it, both of you! Will you listen? Please set aside your respective prides long enough to listen to each other and to me. For the last time, we are not suggesting that Dr. Benton is a suspect. We are only saying that he was acting odd, as though he knew more than he revealed. Ah, fair enough. He has been acting peculiarly for a couple months. He never really recovered after the death of his son. His son? Theodore. Promising boy. He enlisted in the army, went south to fight the Rebs. He was killed about three months ago. Body was never recovered. He wasn't killed at Perryville, Kentucky, was he? No. Martsville, Tennessee. Why do you ask? 
That mere curiosity. That isn't important. People have gone missing, and at least one man has died. Perhaps there is no connection to the Chimney Rock monster legend, but can you afford to take that chance? Uh, when you put it like that, I, I guess not. Then you'll speak to the doctor. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll speak to him. Thank you. Let us walk you out. I hope you don't mind meeting here in the workshop instead of the house. My sister-in-law is already head up about this business. I didn't want to get her more upset. It's no trouble to me, and I understand. My sister is of a similar... What was that? Don't worry yourself, ma'am. We've been having troubles with a pack of wild dogs in the area. Just to keep close to the house and... That was no dog. Lizzie, go back in the workshop. No, I am not leaving. Just do it! There's a pistol, top shelf of the cupboard, left of the door. Get it. It's loaded, so be careful. Close the door and wait for me to call. A little paranoid, don't you think, Blackburn? Considering some of the things my wife and I have seen... It's not paranoia. It's good planning. I think I'm beginning to agree with you. Hey, it's in the tree line. Are you armed? No. Then you fall back to the workshop as well. I'll... Ah! Franklin! Tonight's episode of the Blackburn Gaslight Adventures, Family Matters, was written and directed by A.J. Clarkson. Sebastian Blackburn was played by James Leeper. Elizabeth Blackburn was played by Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard. Everett Lockwood was played by John Perry. Maria Lockwood was played by A.J. Clarkson. Dr. George Benton was played by Michael Simpkins. Constable Franklin was played by Jacob Anderson. The Blackburn Gaslight Adventures was produced by Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard. Music was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Sound effects were provided by Freesound.org. The Blackburn Gaslight Adventures and Family Matters are protected under a Creative Commons license 2013. Our executive producer is GypsyAudio.org. I'm AJ Clarkson. Thank you for listening. <laughs>